All right, if you have said hello and Merry Christmas to someone, you guys can take a seat. Well, we are so thankful that you guys are here. Um, it's Christmas Eve. This came so quickly. I can't believe it's Christmas Eve. Um, but we are really glad that you guys chose to be here with us today on Christmas Eve. And I know that Christmas, as it rolls around, um, is like a mixed bag of emotions. Some of us are like, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And then I think for others of us, it's a hard time of year, too. It can be a difficult time. Um, I know that some of you maybe live far away from family. That's us. We live far away from our biological family. Um, and we're not going to see them for Christmas. Uh, some, of that, um, some of you guys might have experienced loss this year or loss along time ago I lost my mom um, just a month ago so Christmas is just not gonna ever be quite the same and so we understand that and we um, we understand that all of us are kind of in a different place this Christmas and so we just want to say that we're grateful that you guys are here you guys are seriously our family um, our family is all the way in California and so truly you guys are family to us we get excited to come here and celebrate with you guys we get excited to see you on Sundays we get excited to come celebrate Jesus with you on Christmas Eve so thank you for being here um, we really love Love you guys and appreciate you guys so so much so we hope that you're blessed this evening yeah and we just want to pray just pray over tonight and just thank god thank jesus that he has come and so let's do that let's pray right now father we thank you we thank you for the wonderful truth that you sent your son that jesus is born god we ask that this truth would still impact our lives today god let it never become something we become just very familiar with let it always be fresh. Let it be new. Let it be, let it be something that, God, every day we just are amazed by the fact that, God, you entered earth. God, that you entered your own creation. So, Lord, we thank you. We ask that this truth of the incarnation that God took on flesh would just change us. That it, it would just, God, give us that hope that you've intended to, us to have. And that, Jesus, we thank you that you are peace. You've brought peace. So we just praise you now. We thank you now, Jesus, in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, babe. All right. Hey, everyone. Again, good evening. Merry Christmas. Do me a favor. Turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. That's where we'll be at today. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We would love to get you a Bible so you can follow along with us. We are going to look at this very well-known story, uh, but Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be at today. Luke chapter 2. Here is what we are celebrating. We are celebrating the fact that God entered earth, that at a certain point in time, God came into his own creation. And again, sometimes this can become familiar to us, and we're praying that God makes this new to us. Uh, we know that this changed the course of history. This actually, the birth of Christ, we know, changed for us, it's B.C. to A.D. or B.C.E. to C.E. It changed history as we know it, the birth of Jesus. And here in Luke 2, we're going to look at a story where the shepherds' lives just had this encounter with angels. They had this divine encounter. And from that point on, everything was different. Everything changed. Listen, this is not just some cute little kid story. This is not some myth. This is not some fable. This fundamentally changed human history as we know it, that God entered history. Here we are 2,000 years later in South Florida in a kid's cafeteria celebrating the birth of Jesus. Listen, this has some staying power. We have to recognize that the gospel of the birth of Jesus has had some staying power and impacted the globe absolutely. And so the question is, what is this message? What is the message of Christmas? I think there's a lot of confusion in that. 
we hear people talk about, it's just be kind to one another. It's a season to celebrate family and love and just that all, it's kind of like this, there's just big ideas. I was at Trader Joe's the other day and I was walking by the fruit section. There's two women talking and I heard the woman say, she's like, I just love Christmas because it means whatever it is you want it to mean. And a part of me want to be like, no, all of heaven, all of heaven would dif- disagree with that statement. Well, it's just Christmas, this idea of it means whatever it is we want it to mean. No, we look at the fact that God entered earth, God entered history. And so we want to celebrate that. We want to read about that. We want to see how this changed, not just their world, but our world today. So we're going to read in Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 14. We're just going to read through that and uh, study this a little bit tonight and then celebrate Jesus. So let's do that. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Here's the story maybe you've read or heard a lot this season. It says, Luke 2, verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. So Joseph, Mary's betrothed, also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he, Joseph, was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him, wrapped Jesus, wrapped God in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were, in the, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel, one angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings or good news of great joy, which will be to all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lined in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace. Goodwill toward men. Let's pray. Father, we are um, amazed by this truth. We are amazed by the fact that this young virgin girl, God, was filled with your son, that God, you decided to enter earth, that you decided to step into creation. And God, um, we just thank you for this season. We thank you for what Christmas, this message, this message of good news, this message of great joy, for all people, we thank you, God. And Lord, we just ask that tonight we could honor you. We could just celebrate you, thank you, and praise you in your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Growing up, I had an older brother and sister, and uh, sometimes we would get in, as you could imagine, just some fights here and there. Um, our parents had their bedroom upstairs, and we'd be downstairs fighting, arguing, and eventually my parents, I think, would try to let us like work it out. And eventually, though, you'd hear a voice from upstairs yell, like, what's going on down there, right? You'd hear that voice, and then You'd hear some commands being given, like, stop it. It's time to share. Take turns. You just kind of hear these things. And if we kind of ignored the voice, if we ignored it for too long, 
eventually that voice wouldn't just be a voice. It'd manifest itself by them coming down the stairs and being in flesh and blood, right? There'd be a voice that became a person. And by the time you hear them coming, we'd jump off each other, we'd stop fighting, and we'd share, you know, like, everything's fine, we're okay. Here's the idea for us when it comes to Christmas. God is not just some voice in heaven giving commands. God decided to enter earth. But let me just say this. It's not in some scary, vengeful, I'm angry, I'm mad kind of a way. It's God entering earth as a baby. It's not God being unapproachable because he's God. It's God saying, let me make myself approachable. Let me make myself vulnerable. And I want us to understand this. God said it on this day. God's like, I want to become approachable. The infinite became an infant. The creator of it all said, let me be a part of my creation. It was no longer just words spoken down to us through prophets of old. But in these last days, God manifested himself to us, the person of Jesus. You know, right now we're trying to talk to my son, like, about Christmas, the Christmas story. We read books to him, and we're telling him in church he's getting it. He's four. He's starting to get it more and more. You saw him putting the candle on his head and get distracted. By the way, that was a great kid's choir. That's probably the highlight of tonight. That was awesome. Um, But you you can go for the little kids. But he's kind of in that place we're trying to explain, what is this? Like, what is this all about? So we asked him reluctantly as parents. Maybe you know what I'm about to We asked him. We said, Micah, do you know what Christmas really is all about? And you're kind of like afraid to ask. And he's gotten it right sometimes. But recently this week he goes, yeah. I'm like, please don't say it. He goes, it's all about presents. And you're like, no. As a parent, you're like, I failed. I failed. So I was like, in my mind, I'm like, yes, you're right. It's all about God's presence. God is with us. You know, I'm trying to like spin it. I'm like, yes, you're right. God's presence. He's like, no, it's about presents. Like, I'm like, I know. I know what you meant. Um, But I'm trying to like change that message, right? And this is the idea. This is the message that God, God walked with us. God walked among us. God entered his own creation. I, I, I don't know if we fully fathom this. I mean, we have a worldview. And think about the Christian worldview. This is a very unique worldview where we say God entered earth. God actually knows what it's like to suffer, to bleed, to lose a loved one. We have a God who can relate to us more than anyone. And so here's what we're celebrating. The message of Christmas, I believe, is perfectly said from the angels. The angels said, we bring you good news of great joy to all people. Good news, great joy, all people. That's my sermon. That's the point today. Good news, great joy, all people. Can we just walk through that? Let's just walk through that. What is this Christmas message? What is the gospel? Here's what they say. It's good news, great joy, all people. So first thought is this. Look again in verse 10. The angel says, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news or good tidings or news of great joy, which will be to all people. Uh, your version might say tidings, good tidings. That is the word news. We'll put up the definition up here just so you can kind of see. I think this is fascinating. Maybe you've known this or heard this before, uh, but the word news or tidings is this word that I'm going to butcher called euangelizo. All right, here's the idea. It means gospel. This is the same word you see throughout the New Testament when it refers to the gospel, the gospel. I love that the angels are the one that says, we bring you gospel. This is the words out of their mouth. We bring you gospel. We bring you good news. That is the message from the angels, that the gospel was made flesh. Listen, we need some good news. I think all of us ache for good news. I think personally, we crave good news. I think culturally, we crave good news. You know, um, in mid-July, there's something maybe you participated. It's called Amazon Prime Day. I don't know if you participated this year, but there's something called Amazon Prime Day. It's basically Christmas in July, and maybe you've heard of it. Maybe not. There's a discount. It's whatever. It's just deals on Amazon. And it's kind of funny this year. There's a lot of people on Twitter just saying, I think people are really missing the true meaning of Amazon Prime Day and what it's really all about. I I don't know. I thought it was funny. But on Amazon Prime Day, we actually got a little, uh, we got an Alexa. 
Now, if you're like us, and let's say you have an Alexa, um, you're paranoid because you think she hears everything. Uh, but an Alexa kind of hears you. You say, Alexa, turn on music. It'll do things in case you don't know. You probably know. But I find it interesting that every day when you walk by, when we walk by Alexa, you'll see something that says trending topics. You'll have different trending topics. But every day, every day I've walked by that thing, that thing that hears every conversation, it'll say trending topic, good news. And I always find that interesting. I always see trending topic, good news. And I'm like, what could Alexa tell me that's good news? So I tried it this week. It's Christmas. I'm like, Alexa, tell me some good news. She probably heard me right now and is doing it. She's creepy. But I would say, Alexa, tell me some good news. And then she said, oh, the story this week is basically there's a guy who took his paycheck, used all of his paycheck to buy his old housing community presents. And I'm like, that's the best you got? A guy bought gift for kids? I'm like, we do that all the time. I'm like, okay, a guy just made kids more consumeristic. That's the best news you got. In my mind, I just hear, and I've asked her different questions this week. Tell me some good news. And you hear it, and you're like, okay, that's okay. That's mediocre news. That's all right. Like, that's sweet. We have a lot of people here that do all those things. That's pretty good. You see, and actually, I heard her, and I told her, I'm like, Alexa, I want to tell you good news. I just evangelized to Alexa. Um, that didn't really work or go well. But here's the idea. I find it fascinating that every day, a trending topic is good news that people are going, I need good news. I crave good news. Like, I need to hear some good news today. I mean, you know what it's like, you just turn on any, any news channel, and within three minutes, you're bombarded with like all the evil in the world, all around the world. It's crazy, we're at a unique time where we can be like, what's happening in Somalia right now? We can find out, and you hear about the pain, the injustice, the suffering, the murder, the rape, the genocide, and you can just be flooded with things. So now people, what happened, out of response to that, we have to create trending topics that tell us mediocre news on Alexa. My, my point being, uh, I think even in this season, people are going, I'm so sick of the bad news, painful news. I need to hear some good news. And I will say this, even Sally, when people come to church, they might not always get good news. They might get mediocre news. When people come to church, they might hear news like, hey, if you do this and do this, then God will be pleased with you. Hey, you need to step up your game a little bit. And even when you can come to church searching for good news, it's not necessarily good news. There are times where you hear sermons and you go, I, I feel more burdened and stressed out about things I need to do. Here's the idea. Good news is different than good advice, which is different than even true news. So let me put it this way. Uh, the gospel is good news, not good advice. Advice means what we should do. News just means a report of what's been done. News being a report of what's been done for us. I want you to think about this. The gospel is not just some good advice. Hey, step up your game. Love a little more. Give a little more. God will let you into heaven. It's not that. That's not good news. That's a lot of work. That sounds like a lot of work. The gospel is simply this, that Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. That on the cross, Jesus paid for the sin of the world. That Jesus Christ is the only person born with the goal in his mind of dying. Who says, I came to earth to die. That's why he came. He learned his mission. Most people's mission in life is ended by death. Jesus' mission in life was fulfilled in death. When you think about how his mission was, I need to die on behalf of the sin of the world. You see, this is not mediocre news. This is not even just true news. Let me say this. The phone book is true news. The Ikea manual you're going to get for Christmas tomorrow and open up and read through the Ikea manual, that is true news. And everyone hates the Ikea manual. I've got to do this thing. Listen, it's not just true news. It's good news. It is true, but it's good. It's true news that is really, really good. It's saying that you and I were separated from God, but God came to us. Not that we could ever reach up to God. Not that we could ever do that, but God came to us. This is good news. See, if you're saying, what is good news? What is the good news? I mean, it, it literally says it here in verse 11. Let's just read verse 11. Luke 2, verse 11. What is the good news? Luke 2, verse 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. When you break that down, Savior who is Christ the Lord. Savior, Christ the Lord. Three titles 
Three names used for Jesus. He's Savior, he's Christ, he's Lord. Let's think about that. He's Lord. Like, let's just walk through this. He is Lord. Now, we might hear that and you kind of think of like a British Lord and you think of someone pump. But when we see that word Lord, when, you, when a Jew would say that word Lord, it was so associated with just the God, with Yahweh. What you see in the Old Testament, you read it, this is capital L-O-R-D, it would be Yahweh, the idea of God. He is Lord. See, here's the idea. God has manifested himself to us in different ways in the Old Testament, through a burning bush to Moses, through maybe like a pillar of fire or a cloud. God has manifested himself in different ways. I don't think anyone ever had the idea that God would actually take on a human form. I mean, this is just so shocking. This was so shocking to the Jew back then. This is still so shocking to the Jew today that actually God would walk among us. And here's my question, really. Um, how would God decide to reveal himself to us? I mean, if people struggle with this, and they go, I can't believe this story. You really believe in the virgin birth? You really believe that God walked among us? My question is, well, how else would God reveal himself? How else would God make himself known to us? I actually think this is the, be- the best way God could reveal himself to us is actually becoming one of us, relating to us to depths that I think no one will other, ever really fathom. You know, uh, during the 1950s and 60s, we had that great space race, right, between uh, the U.S. and the USSR, and there's like this, who's the first one to outer space, and Russia beat us there, and we were the first ones to get to the moon, some of you are like, supposedly, I know, get over that. But like, there's this great space race going on, right? Here's the idea. Uh, I think it was like 1961, Russia made it to space first. They beat us there. And supposedly, and maybe you've heard this, supposedly the astronaut Yuri uh, Gagarin said this. He says, I looked and looked, but I didn't see God. I looked and looked and looked, but I didn't see God. Something to that effect was said because this was reported and saying, Russia made it to space. And the, the astronaut who was there said he was in space. He's looking around for God and he didn't see God. He couldn't find God anywhere. God's not there. And this was, you know, to kind of help really promote their atheistic view of there is no God. We don't see him. We're there. He's not there. Now, maybe you've heard of a guy named C.S. Lewis, brilliant Christian writer, Chronicles of Narnia, a lot of other great things. But C.S. Lewis actually, in response to this, wrote a little article called The Seeing Eye. And you can read this article. It's a really well thought out article. I'm going to give you just a couple quotes. Here's his response to this idea that there's no God. We are there and we can't see God. Here's what C.S. Lewis wrote and said. He said, the Russians, I am told, report that they have not found God in outer space. Looking for God or heaven by exploring space is like reading or seeing all of Shakespeare's plays in the hope that you will find Shakespeare as one of the characters or Stratford as one of the places. Shakespeare in, is in one sense present at every moment and every day. But he is never present in the same way as Falstaff or Lady Macbeth. Nor is he diffused through the play like a gas. Here's what he said. I've never had the experience of looking for God. It was the other way around. He was the hunter, or it seemed to me, and I was the deer. Space travel really has nothing to do with the matter. To some, God is discoverable everywhere. To others, nowhere. Those who do not find him on earth are unlikely to find him in space. He had so many unique takes and so many, I think, great little arguments in this. But he goes, look at He's like, look at You're not just going to fly around and bump into God. Like, oh my gosh, I just bumped into God. There's God. He's like, that's not how it works. The way that Shakespeare relates to his writings, the way that God relates to his creation, that he's obviously involved and he's in it, but you're not going to see him as like one of the characters. He's outside of that. Here's what I want us to see. If God was to come, if God was to reveal himself, I believe this is the most humble, the most refreshing the most powerful way God could is let me not come to earth and live in a palace, but only come as an infant born in a manger, born in a stable, broken, broke, vulnerable, accessible. I can relate to the wealthy because I'm from heaven. I can relate to the poor. I can relate to everyone and in between. You see, we believe that Jesus is Lord. He is God among us. 
That as Matthew 1.23 says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. This is quoting Isaiah 7, saying, Listen, one, one day there will be a virgin who will give birth, and his name is going to be Emmanuel. God is with us. God walked among us. And this is Jesus. I think this is the be- most beautiful story, the idea that God said, Let me enter into the brokenness. There's a broken world, and in order to fi- fix the brokenness, I need to enter into the brokenness. This is, this is the Christmas message. Amen? Is this not that Jesus is Lord? And he says this, Christ, our Savior, is Lord. Now, the idea of Christ, let's just talk about that word Christ. It's that Greek term for the word Messiah. Uh, so we see that the idea is that Jesus is the fulfilled one. Jesus is the promised one. Jesus is the one this whole book has been talking about. Jesus is the one where people are going, I need peace. I'm just satisfied. I'm still lonely. I'm still frustrated. It's Christmas. I have that. Se-. And Jesus is, I'm the Messiah. I'm the fulfilled one, the one that meets those needs. I'm the one that'll help you in that time of need. Jesus is the Messiah in that way. I absolutely love this thought. You know, I'm not, so like, I'm not trying to maybe say this in a negative way, but sometimes it's around Christmas and Easter people will come to church the most. And here's what I notice can happen is if you only come around Christmas and Easter, you might hear the same two sermons every year. And it might be something like this. Listen, Jesus, God is a baby. And then you come back for Easter and you're like, and then he died, rose again, and he ascended. So you're like, oh, wow, your only image of Jesus is this like baby who disappears. And you're like, I don't really get it. For some of you, you're like, I don't get why there's this enthusiasm around Jesus. I mean, he's a baby and he disappears. What's that? And I, listen, there's a lot of stuff in between. Like the whole life of Jesus is worth reading. Let me just say that. He is Messiah. Like get to know, get to know the subversive teachings of Jesus. Get to know the character and nature of Jesus. Read about the life and ministry of Jesus, his sinless life. Read about his love for the outcasts and the broken. Read about the fact that he claimed some really big things that people said, hey, you, you shouldn't claim that. We're actually, if you keep talking like that, we're going to kill you. And he's like, well, I'm going to keep talking like that because this is who I am. My, my point is this. We've got to get to not know just the birth of Jesus and the death and resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. That is beautiful, absolutely. But let's get to know the Messiah, Jesus. Let's get to know the Jesus that this is the Christ. This is the one we've been looking for. You see, this is good news that God has come. This is good news that he's Lord. He walks among us. This is good news that he's the Messiah. He's the one that we, we've been waiting for. And this good news, listen, good news should always lead to number two, great joy. Good news should lead to great joy. When you hear good news, if you like don't respond with joy, maybe there's something off <laughs> mentally or spirit. But this is great news, and it should lead to good joy. So I, I really do want us to talk about this because I think sometimes we can present Jesus, and maybe it's not as good news, or we think that Jesus was some boring guy who walked around, and he was just like crying a lot. Like, you got to understand, kids ran to him. Kids loved him. Kids don't, I don't know if you've been around kids, they don't love people who are mean or always sad. Like, kids love being around joyful people. Jesus is that good news of great joy. I love how Isaiah 52 talked about the coming of the Messiah. It says, when the Messiah comes, Isaiah 52, it's a prophecy speaking to the Messiah. Listen to what it says. It says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says, your God reigns. He goes, how beautiful, your God reigns. This is good news. This leads to great joy. We got to understand, God is more for our joy than we are for our joy. I think now more than ever, we need joy because we've tried everything else. We've tried those, I'm going to pursue this thing for pleasure, and it makes me more frustrated and angry. We've tried those things time and time again and left more frustrated. I think it's time for some great joy. I would say this, for Christmas season, you should have great joy. In your house, there should not be great fighting. I know there can be that this time. There can be all those things, but listen, just God, this message is good news of great joy. Let us welcome in great joy. Let us change the script a little bit. 
our script has been we're frustrated, we're sad, we're fighting, we're angry. Presence, we get selfish. Oh, it's not about me. And we kind of get frustrated. Listen, this message should be great joy. Let, it, let there be great joy in our homes tonight, tomorrow. Let's be reminded of this fact that we have a God who came. We have a God who came to save. This is great joy. See, here's the idea. We talked about how he's Christ, how he's Lord, but it says this. He's Savior. He's Savior. You see, the idea of him being Savior is he came to save us from something. What he came to save us from? He came to save us from what we would call sin. I know that's like a word that's not used a lot. Maybe it's a little taboo, like sin. Maybe we, we use the word like guilt or shame. We try to reframe it. You know, it's like anxiety. They're like, there's things that are sin. We should actually call it what it is. I think that's helpful to do that and say, hey, listen, God came to save us from sin that's out there, but it's also in here, and I need saving from an internal sin and internal thoughts and external things happening. He's like, Jesus came to save. It's Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Listen to this. He says, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He shall save his people from their sins. There's something about understanding what you and I have been saved from that is so powerful. So let's just bring it back to this passage. Do not miss this. Do not get lost. This is very fascinating to me. Probably the most interesting thing, even in my study this week over this text. So here's the idea. He came to save sins. I want to point this out. The angels appeared to who? Say it. Who did the angels appear to? Shepherds. Okay. There's some questions whenever you study a text, go, okay, why? What is this about? I want to point this out. These are not just some ordinary shepherds. These are shepherds in that Bethlehem region. What would that mean? What does that mean? There is something historically you can look about, read about this, look into this. It's called the tower flock. It, in Hebrew, it would be pronounced the Migdal Ada. But here's the idea. In the area of Bethlehem, there were shepherds who were binnacle shepherds. They were shepherds who knew the law. They knew the customs of the law. They knew the Old Testament. They knew the writings of Moses. They'd actually tend not just any sheep, but a certain kind of sheep. The shepherds here, they're in Bethlehem, were the rabbinical shepherds who tended sheep that were going to be dedicated really to God in sacrifice in the temple. This would happen on a daily basis, one in the morning, one in the evening. They'd also make sure the sheep were a very unique type of sheep. They had to be up to temple standards. Again, this is not just some regular shepherds with other regular sheep. These are temple sheep, temple shepherds. Here's the idea, and please hear this. I think this is just so fascinating. They would actually have to inspect these sheep make sure it's up to, you know, the temple standards. So if you and I are from a different country, you're from Greece, and you're taking a boat over to Jerusalem, and you brought a sheep with you because you want to offer sacrifice to God, and that sheep is just dirty after this long travel, you go, I need to get a sheep. I need to buy a temple sheep. So they'd buy a temple sheep. And see here with this tower flock in the Migdal Ada, these shepherds, when a lamb was ready to give birth, they would take it into the, the temple, or they'd take it into the, the tower. They'd have the, the lamb. She would give birth. They would take the lamb, lay it in this limestone-type manger, and they'd actually swaddle it. And what they do is they'd inspect the lamb. They'd swallow it, one, for its safety, two, to just keep it from thrashing around. And they'd swaddle it, and they'd inspect to see if there's any mark or blemish to see if it's up to their standards. And here's why I'm saying all of this, and this is so important. When you read about the sign, it doesn't sound very significant to us. We think, oh, he's born in a stable. I mean, that is, that's significant, but here's the sign. The sign in verse 12 is, this will be the sign. You'll find a babe wrapped in swallowing clothes, lying in a manger. And if you are the shepherd and you have shepherd's ears, what are you thinking of? You're thinking of that male lamb that you would take and lay in a limestone manger and that you would actually swaddle and you'd inspect. And here's the idea. They go, wait a second. That's a sign that we know really well. That's a sign we're very familiar with. That's a sign that he's like a sheep. See, here's the idea. From the very beginning the foreshadow of Jesus' birth is he's like a little lamb who's going to be slain for people. I mean, this is like the very beginning of his birth. The lamb that was Jesus, who was swaddled, laid in a limestone manger. It's this sign for you and I. It's a sign for the shepherds of, oh, wow, 
he actually, his purpose is what? That he will actually die. He will die like this little lamb. See, it's John chapter 1, verse 29, where when John the Baptist sees Jesus, he says, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I want you to understand something. Why do we say this is great joy? Because Jesus became that lamb that would be paid for, that would pay for our sins. That we say, Jesus, this is your intent. This is why you died. Yes. The idea is this should lead to great joy. That Jesus paid a debt you and I could never pay. That Jesus paid for the sins of the world. He, from the very beginning, was foreshadowed as that lamb who'd be slain for us. And God is saying, listen, I paid for your sins. From, from the, I paid for it. This is good news. This is great joy. Guys, if you've ever been forgiven relationally, like if you've, really hurt, if you've really hurt someone, if you've really, really hurt someone, and they finally talk to you, and we talked about this this week in a little bit, but they finally look at you and say, you know what, I forgive you. You've re- I forgive you. You've really hurt me, but I forgive you. And you go, oh my gosh, that weight, that weight. I know I was the accuser. I know I've done something, but they've forgiven me. Imagine we have that towards God, but infinitely more of just like, I've sinned so much against you, God. And God's like, but I paid for it. It's done. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world, and he's come. And his name is Jesus. And he would be wrapped in swallowing clothes, just like that little lamb, laid in a little manger, just like a little lamb. This is good news of great joy. See, he's not just Christ. He's not just Lord. He is Savior. And then here's the idea. This is for all people. I mean, let's be honest. This might be the hardest point in some ways. If you've kind of had a crazy rough background, you go, is it really for all people? Is this good news of great joy for all people? Like maybe for the religious people. No, this is for all people. Uh, this is something I think we can maybe struggle with internally or externally, but I do want us to think about this. Um, if you look at the Bible, if you read the Bible, there's a lot of names. Right, let's just talk about this. There's a lot of names. There's a lot of genealogies. And when you read through the Bible, I don't know if you've ever come across like some na- list of names in any book. You can just find these lists of names. And I've tried like purpose, like, okay, I'm going to read them because they've mattered. This is a human life. And if you've ever tried to read them by like five names, you're like, I can't even pronounce them. I'm so done. And you kind of skip over it. Woo! You kind of like skip over it. Like, I'm done with this. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. All right. In Matthew chapter one, the birth of Jesus. And in Luke chapter 1 and 2, the birth of Jesus, you see these lists of names. Now, here's why I'm bringing this up. Um, A genealogy was someone's pedigree. A genealogy was saying, look who this person is, look where they came from, look at their royal status, and this is what it would be. Now, if you have ever, and I think we might have, if you've ever read through Jesus' genealogy, and if you've ever come across these names, you're like, okay, I'm going to read these names. And there's 14 generations three times, and you can read about all these different names. It's pretty difficult to, like, stay focused. But when when you read this, you go, wait. Jesus has a really weird and interesting family tree. Maybe you've noticed this, but if you've ever read through this, um, there are women in Jesus' genealogy. That was not normal in a patriarchal society. That was not common of its day. Like, let's throw the moms in. That was definitely not normal, especially considering who they were, especially considering that they weren't Jews. They were actually Gentiles. And if you read through this and you go, Jesus, like, your family line was really messed up. I mean, you can look at some of the names like Judah. Judah did some pretty sketchy stuff. Tamar, I mean, you see incest happening. In Jesus' family tree? I mean, you can keep reading about Rahab, like Rahab the prostitute, you know, like she's in there somehow thrown in there. And if you ever read that story, you think about the spies being in, in Rahab's like brothel, and you're like, why are the spies in the brothel? That's a different story. But the, like she's in there somehow, all right? You, you keep going different names. You go, there's Ruth, another Gentile, thrown in Jesus' genealogy. That's interesting. Uh, you'll see, I love how it says Uriah's wife. That's Bathsheba. I won't even say her name. I mean, 
the story of David and Bathsheba, and David's a murderer, and, you know, killed his, you know, killed uh, her husband, and this is Uriah's wife, which is Bathsheba, and even, even Mary, when you look at her story and how scandalous it was, it's like, yeah, sure, a virgin, you're a virgin, and you're pregnant. Like, even that story, people were accusing Jesus 30 years later, and like, we all know your mom was a virgin. Like, they're still doing that to Jesus. My point is this, when you read the family tree of Jesus, you go, there's some pretty screwed up, messed up people in there, and God's like, exactly. See, I love this about God. It's not about pedigree. It's about grace. It's not about, I don't care, like your story, what you've done, who you are. There's incest, there's rape, there's murder. There's this, this terrible things in Jesus' family tree. And I love how God's like, yep, and I can use all of that and weave that all into the story of redemption. God weaved all of this gross stuff into the story of redemption to the person of Jesus. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Here's what I mean. The gospel's for all people. Jesus is like, look at my family tree. It's not even all Jews, Gentiles, women, murder. He's like, this is for everyone and anyone. You're all welcome into this. That God is saying, I'm not going to give up on really people. I'm not going to give up on who they are or what they've done. That God's like, I'm willing to identify myself with some terrible people, and I'm still willing to identify myself with terrible people. I mean, even when you read the Gospels, it's just person after person saying, Jesus, I can't believe you're eating with sinners. He's like, I know this is why I've come. I've come to seek and to save the lost. I didn't come for the righteous. I didn't come for the righteous. That's what all of us should say. I'm not righteous. Jesus like, I didn't come for those who say they're righteous. I came for the broken, the sick, the sinner. That's what all of us should say. Okay, that's me. Because I want you to have come for me. My, my point again is this. This is good news, great joy to all people. There is no one excluded from this. There is no one who's like, yeah, but do you know what I've done? It's like, yeah, do you know what Judah and Tamar did? Yeah, but do you know what I've done? Yeah, do you know what David did and Bathsheba? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. This truly is, I love what the angel said to the shepherds. I bring what? I bring you. I bring you good news. Here's what I believe the Lord would say to everyone tonight. I bring you, you personally, good news. God has brought you good news to say, I know your life's been messed up. I know that those of you who grew up in the church, your life is messed up. Your self-righteous life, your boasting, your, it's messed up. I, I came to bring you good news of great joy. And that is the fact that Jesus, our Savior, he's Christ the Lord and he's come. And he come to pay a penalty. He come to pay a debt for you and for me so we could be free, so we could have a relationship with God. Listen, this is good news for you, for you, not just for the shepherds. 2,000 years later, this is good news for you and for me. This is something my soul needs to say, Josiah, I can weave any story into my genealogy. I can weave it into my past and my present. My, I can weave any person, any people group. This is all tribes, all tongues, all nations. This, the gospel is for everyone, Absolutely. Listen, I want you today to understand that the gospel's for you. I would really encourage you tonight and tomorrow, as you hopefully can get alone or find a few moments, to say, God, you brought me good news. God, you brought me great joy. Me. Lord, thank you for considering someone like me that I could be a part of your family tree. This is not for someone else. The story of Christmas is not some theoretical thing out there that's kind of cute. This is for you today. That salvation has come. There's a short little story, and you can read it in Luke's gospel, of a guy named Simeon who's really old. God's spirit told him, you will see the Messiah before you die. Simeon's an old man. He sees this baby, and the spirit's like, that's the Messiah. And if you remember, remember that story, he grabs the baby, and he goes, salvation is here. And he's like, I have salvation in my hands. And I love that thought. I have salvation right here. Guys, you have salvation in your lap. Is it in your life? 
Have you received it? Have you believed on it? Have you trusted in it? Have you given yourself over to it? Has that truth transformed you? Have you grown up in the church and only known that and been around that? But has the salvation truth actually sh- sh- changed and shaped your every moment in your life? It's not saying that you'll be perfect, but we're boasting in the one who is perfect. We're saying, Jesus, change me. I believe in you. I love you. This good news of great joy is for you and for me. Amen? Listen, we just want to close out our time tonight and just worship God and say, thank you that good news has come. And if you would like to receive Jesus, if you'd like to believe in Jesus, trust on Jesus, we would love to pray with you. We'd love to say, yes, it's as simple as saying, Jesus, I want a relationship with you. I believe this message is for me right now in this moment. And I really do believe, what a wonderful time to say, Jesus, I, in this Christmas season, of this me- there's millions of messages out there what this means. I found the true message of Christmas. And that good news has come. And it's salvation. And it's that the Christ, the Lord, is born. And he's with us. Amen? Hey, we're going to pray. And we're going to end out our time by worshiping loudly to the Lord. Can we do that? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this good news. That God, my heart, I know our heart craves good news. Because a lot of times we get bad news, frustrating news, mediocre news. But we always and every moment of every day have good news. Jesus, we thank you that you have been born, that you walked among us. And this reminds us again of your future coming that you came and you're coming. And so we praise you now. Jesus, we invite you again to just be the center of our lives this season. God, that our definition, my definition, Micah's definition of its presence, let it be your presence, God, that you are with us. Thank you. We just praise you now in your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's just stand and end our time by praising our God. Let's worship.